What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Tonight, we got them. Goldie and the Sulk. This is a chemical, chemical, that's disgusting, that's disgusting, that's disgusting, that's disgusting, that's disgusting, that's disgusting. And it starts right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Craig's We Got Them got me again this week. It's just, it's such a great insult. We, You got us. The, the people you didn't want to get. We got them. Well, welcome back to another episode of A Typical Disgusting Display, a podcast for writers by writers who hate writing. I'm joined, as always, by Goldie, a.k.a. Julius Sharp. How are you? My throat has never been drier. <laughs> oh, good, good first line. That could be first joke of the day. First joke of the day. There first joke of the day. We got it out of the way. And of course, as always, we are joined by our lovely and talented producer, J.C. Brooks. How are Hello. you? Oh, I'm well. Thank no, you. No, you're not. You broke your foot. <laughs> but I'm still well. What? <laughs> she broke How? her foot. D- don't know. I-, I still don't know. I know. What? I know. Well, it's not official, but it's been a couple this of weeks. This story's falling apart. I, know. I mean, if I'm I like tried. a constable, I'm going like, I thought... There was nothing going on with this witness, but we all need to get in here and kind of like suss this out. This I is tried to this is getting go. weird, guys, because she wasn't a suspect, but now it's like it's all on the table. Wait, wait, why, where and why are you a, and when are you a constable? Is this like eighteen ninety eight? Constable, British. Well, village? Like, I think because we were talking about the Beatles, I'm in this British. There we go. Yeah, there we go. But anyway, let's get back to the foot. What happened? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, long story short, I think it's eight. But my ankle, I think, You're slipped out. Well, I have, a, I have one of those loosey goosey ankles. I think it slipped, and I just kept walking on it and working out on it. And the foot couldn't handle the pressure of what I was, you know, pushing. So um, that's my theory. I'm not a doctor. I canceled the doctor's appointment today. I had been trying to walk on it for a little over two weeks, basically limping, wheelchairs through the airport. You know, wow. traveled to New York, so. I yes. bet you were you were not getting those sympathetic looks as you were wheeled through the oh, airport. No. I was hiding my face. <laughs> yeah. so I don't know. Big sunglasses, a nice giant scarf around your face. Uh, you're the person who I'm like, oh come on, they don't yeah. need it. That's how I <laughs> That's not for you. <laughs> totally. I do recommend it though. You skip all the lines. <laughs> we're gonna talk offline. I know LA's top <laughs> orthopedic surgeon. Oh, oh. yes. Thank can, we get a, can we get oh, can we get can we get a name? 
Uh, yes, you can. <laughs> what is it? As soon as I remember it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. I do know his name. It literally just slipped my freaking top mind. guy. He's <laughs> amazing, and he's a good guy. Uh, yeah, I knew that. We're going to cut that part. His okay. name, and he's a genius, Ooh. is Dr. Andrew Weiss. Oh. oh, yes. All right, thank you. And let me Weiss. tell you something. He's really cocky, and he should be. Oh, I like those. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. When when you can back it up, you're not yes. cocky. You're just but good. Yeah. Before my ankle surgery, the last thing I remember was him saying, "Turn the music to something harder and turn it up." Oh, that's <laughs> awesome! Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> do, do you remember what the music was? It was like Metallica or something. Oh, oh my, and he was wearing great. like a like a cool surgical cap. Like it wasn't the blue one. <laughs> What? What? Was it, like it had like a design on it or something. Like it was like oh. everything here is slightly off. Right. What you we do things a little differently yeah. here. A little in bit rock of an and roll edge. surgery camp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. But well, that's he's he's record. unbelievable. Like I he he fixed a mess that another doctor left and then hilariously asked my permission if he could call and scream at the first doctor. <laughs> ah, that's right. He, wow. he did. To the point where the first doctor called me and then groveled for my forgiveness. Whoa. Oh, my Which God. I've never had that happen. Because he was like, if he doesn't know what a syndesmotic fracture is, and he's been doing this, what, 15 years? Then I need to call him and tell him what a syndesmotic fracture is. He's got to know this. He's got people going through there. He was, like, freaking wow. out. It was awesome. He's wow. the best. Okay, well, I, had the, I had a similar experience with a dentist where I ended up switching dentists, and uh, my, my new dentist suggested that I leave a scathing Yelp review for the old one, <laughs> which, I, which I did do. I did, it was so scathing that the old dentist, Dentist called me up and begged me to take it down. Wow. Did you? Yeah. No. Oh. Did not. It I was can only it. imagine what they're scraping off your teeth. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah, you don't you don't want to be there for that. That's not a pretty sight, I can tell you. These are just shades of nauseating shades of yellow you didn't know existed. <laughs> it's like the people at the Pantone factory are going like Pan- I don't know what we call this one, like puke guts. Joan. <laughs> the plaque attack. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Anyway, so we've we've all just come off Thanksgiving. Uh, right. as everyone has. Uh did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Anything exciting in your world except broken feet? Yeah. I flew I was traveling. You were traveling. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> That was thanks for uh, really picking up the ball and running with it there. So I was uh, I went down to my in-laws uh, in New Jersey, and I will let me just please preface this story with how much I love my in-laws. They are they are great people, and I enjoy spending five to seven days with them a year. So we should add in post how much you love them, right? I'll I'll, okay. I'll beef that up. I'll beef that up a little bit. So, but I will say that they uh, are you know. They're Trump country, like they are Trump people, which is obviously not something deep that, South New Jersey. Uh, deep, nope. It's actually <laughs> Northern New Jersey, which is even funnier. But uh, but we didn't. There was no politics discussed, which is thank God. You know, everybody kind of got the memo, like we're not here to do that because um, of you or because of more than you, because of you and Tom. Well, and it, uh, there are a few others. The younger kids in the family obviously are, you know, more liberal thank goodness 
And uh, I, honestly, I back channeled with one of the uh, Trump relatives before we got there and texted like, hey, let's not let's not talk politics at the table. And I and I even wrote a line for them. I said, if it ever comes up, just say this. I'm just here to have fun with my family. And that <laughs> wow. actually really worked. Scripting it. So, so we got through that. But there is this sort of black sheep relative in that you? family. Right. <laughs> Aside from other than me. No, but by the way, you think that I've risen to the, to the status of a relative? I'm still fully an outsider. So right. can't even get black sheep status. But there's one very close relative who is... He's a huge liberal, and he's, I want to say he's in his late 50s, maybe, very liberal, never stops talking. And it's like one of those people where, yes, I'm on your side, but can you please, I don't, yeah. like, it's not helping our cause, like all <laughs> right. this all this chatter. And so what he'll do is he'll corner me because he knows that I'm like-minded and sort of get me and start going about this and that and did you see Trump did this and blah, 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 and whatever it is. So it's it's very hard to take. It's incessant. It's like being guarded by uh, Bruce Bowen, you know, <laughs> like he's just all over me all the time. So this you year, describe his breath as minty fresh? <laughs> and you know what? It's funny you should bring that up. I would not. <laughs> I'm, I'm just scraping some plaque off my teeth to try and fire back at him. Um, anyway, so I had an epiphany this year. And boy, this was uh, just a Belichick plan that worked out. I, I thought to myself, what can I do to, to alleviate the situation of me being cornered and talked to all the time? And I figured it out. Alcohol. So uh, not for me, for him. So this is Thanksgiving Day at 1 o'clock. And I say to myself, like, this guy kind of thinks I'm cool because I'm like a Hollywood guy. And I'm going to say to him, hey, hey, should we grab a drink? He's like, it's a little early. I'm like, hey, let's get going. I got him into this bourbon that was there. By 4 o'clock, he is passed out in an easy chair and I'm just you know a few spaces down on the couch like Ferris Bueller with my hands interlaced behind my head watching the football game enjoying life it was a total victory I could not have been prouder of my own plan and the execution of that plan so that was how I survived Thanksgiving this year well here's how our Thanksgiving differed is uh Thanksgiving the day after it Marked one year without alcohol. Oh, for me. congratulations! So, nice. Yeah. So That's there was amazing. no uh, no one can tranquilize me against my will <laughs> to not speak my beliefs at the table because I'm sober. That's right. <laughs> nice <Excellent>. try, sir. <laughs> well, we fully support uh, you yeah. being a being a dork for a whole year. I think it's really <laughs> nice. Say, no, I, I I read this book called This Naked Mind. And uh, people say if you read the book, you'll stop drinking in it. And it worked because wow. honestly, I and and God bless the people who do this. And it's so successful for a lot of people. But I I can't picture myself even going to one meeting like when they're like, well, you got to go to meetings. Right. And then you go, oh, it's a, it's a meeting about about alcohol. And you are. Oh, so it's a meeting about how we like alcohol. It's like, oh, no, <laughs> no, it's a meeting how we don't like it. And uh, and so I go to one of these. It's like, oh no, you go to one every day the rest of your life. I just I can't I can't see myself doing that. No, so, but I read this book, 
I was lucky that that was all I needed to do. And now you and I are going to have dinner tomorrow and you're just going to get to watch a guy eat a salmon while sober. (laughs) (laughs) It'll still be fun, I'm sure. You can certainly make fun of me for drinking and Fogarty. Our our (laughs) other friend, John Fogarty, will be there. I only go out to dinner with people named John. So it's John Goldblatt, John Fogarty. I mean, I've... This is what I got the booster for. Oh, nice. <laughs> I can't get a booster around here. I've been trying to get a booster this week, and it's Oh, like good. So no, you'll bring no the Omicron from the plane. You're unboostered. <laughs> but you're boostered. You're going to be wasted, so you're going to be talking and spitting everywhere. Oh, you know me. I'm such a hugger. <laughs> I big time. So thank uh, yeah, you no. for not being boosted, collecting disease on the plane, and dropping it into my lap in my first restaurant appearance in almost two years. <laughs> That's right. And we're gonna we're going to Jar, our old haunt Jar. Yeah. We love nice. that place. Do people still like what am I I just haven't had a dinner with anyone in so long? I don't know. We'll see. It'll be fine. It's gonna be there are only three of us, so we're yeah. gonna be I far apart anyway. Bring your vaccination card. card. Oh right. Yeah. yeah. Bring, yeah you, you, now you shouldn't have told Goldie <laughs> no. that. He would have been like, "Whoops, I gotta go home. <laughs> Guess I'm not having dinner." <laughs> I still could do that. Yeah. I know. I can't find I it. I know. It's on record here. <laughs> Speaking of on record, holy shit, <laughs> we've all now. Goldie, I don't know if you've finished. I've finished. JC's finished. Yeah. The Beatles documentary Ooh. on Disney Plus. Wow. It for me, it was like an eight and a half hour orgasm. It was <laughs> so <laughs> fucking great. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we call ourselves writers. Hey, it's a podcast for writers, by writers, whatever the fuck. <laughs> Those guys. Holy shit. Yeah. There's it, it was so spectacular. It's it's about them putting together their Let It Be album and they wanted it to culminate in some kind of a live show, which of course most of the world knows happened with their famous. Also, rooftop let's just note concert. putting it together in a rush because Ringo had a movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. right. I know. God God forbid they interfered with I think the movie was called The Magic Christian, yeah. as we all we all remember that one. Yeah, so they rush our last album because Ringo is going to. Because Ringo's got something to do, but in their rush, so okay, the documentary is all this footage that they've had, you know, under wraps for years. And Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings director, kind of went through it and put it together. He did a fantastic job, by the way. I mean, what what they picked and what they put together is amazing. There was something for me, and and JC, you and I were talking before this began. I cried multiple times watching it because it was just so just so amazing yeah one part in particular that stands out to me and and i will now think about forever is and goldie we talked about this too there's a a moment in the first part of the three-parter where they're they're really i get goosebumps just thinking about it i I get goosebumps just thinking about it exactly right thank you danny thank you goldie (laughs) I get goosebumps just thinking about it. They were struggling to come up with any songs, and they kind of had fragments here and there. And Paul, listen, I'm a huge Paul guy. I'm a huge Paul guy, and this documentary only reinforced that. Yeah, I can see that. So Paul is just sitting there on his bass, just kind of messing around with it, strumming it, and, and clearly in his own world, just trying to come up with something. And you watch him will to life the song get back out of nothing yeah. he's sitting there on a full uh, on a on a folding chair uh, you <laughs> yes. know just 
trying to get some kind of progression. And within like two minutes, he's just thumping out the beat of Get Back and, and spitting out like yeah. one quarter of the lyrics that are just coming out of his head. And then instantly incredible. you see the other guys yeah. in the band kind of like picking up their instruments and starting to try and play along. It was and and my my whole body is a goosebump yeah, right now. Same. That was so inspiring to to watch. I just I was so blown away by that and by about 10 other moments as we went through the whole thing. JC, what what stood out to you when you watched uh, it? Well, I mean, you're in the music biz. Yes. And you know, I think like the the three of us grew up on the Beatles. My my one of the reasons why I think I even pursued music was the amount of Beatles that my dad, who is a guitar player and a singer um, in his own right, would sing with me and teach me harmonies. So for me, for some reason, these are the two just right up front was George writing something. Mm-hmm. What did he write? <laughs> nice. All right, anyway. <laughs> And then when you get to the live performance, unbelievable! I was on the plane and they come out onto the roof and I, they start the first note and I just burst into tears. Like I, it was heavy crying. Yeah. And oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Oh, with your foot and people <laughs> seeing you in the wheelchair. They're <laughs> no, like, that no, lady's no. a mess. <laughs> <laughs> a mascara running everywhere. Uh, yes. I, I couldn't yeah. agree more when they, start play well first of all they they put the the documentary together so well and created such suspense that even though i knew they were going to play their rooftop concert it was it was i was like wondering towards the end i'm like are they really going to do it like (laughs) this concert i know i've seen it like is it happening but you're right the minute they start playing and i believe the first song they play is get back i think so on the roof and they all you see them because they're these they were fun... too close to the edge of the roof. That's why. <laughs> well, yeah, I know it was a little bit suspenseful. Well, that was one. That was one problem that I had with the whole presentation of the concert is that nobody from the street could see them. Like yeah. you can only hear the music. The building was at such a weird angle that <laughs> yes. people are looking up from the street, and all you could do is just hear music. Anyway, yeah. that was sort of a logistical failing. <laughs> but they start playing "Get Back on the Roof," and you've been watching them for hours practicing, rehearsing, writing. And they have this sort of very light, fun way about them, as we all know about the Beatles. They're funny. They're, you know, they're sometimes bickering, but they're always kind of like light and productive. and making each other laugh. Making each other laugh. Then once that concert started, and Paul has this body language when he's playing the bass, like he starts kind of like jackknifing along with the music. (laughs) And, And John, who kind of was blabber-mouthing his way through a lot of the lyrics when they were rehearsing, all of a sudden, they're at attention. Like, this is something, when they're performing, they know what's going on. And and as as proof of that, they're doing these songs so many times, trying to get it right in the studio, tracks, recording, recording, recording. Then they go out and play their first, like, three songs on the roof in January. Yeah. You know, it's windy, it's cold. They're playing these songs. The Chiron comes up. This was the song that they used on the album. This was the take they used on. So they come out of the gate just nailing all of these songs that they were struggling to nail in a studio. It was so, it was sublime. It was, I don't, I do not, I pointedly do not believe in God. I hate organized religion. But watching Paul come up with Get Back while sitting there on that, that's as close as, there's something out there. There's some power or energy out there and it was 
coming right into Paul in that yes. moment. And I think it touched the Beatles a lot, not Ringo, but, although, you know, the other three guys, <laughs> certainly a lot. When, they, when he oh, was writing go, Octopus's Garden, there's a little, little, oh, Ringo, a little bit of Ringo. He didn't, he, by the way, he didn't write that. He just sang it. Um, Goldie, what, what are some of your thoughts on this documentary? Uh, I have a number of thoughts. First of all, watching it, I just couldn't believe that they don't have nicer chairs. <laughs> it's the Beatles. Like you go, why are they sitting in like the worst chair I've ever seen? Wouldn't someone at some point say, we've earned like Ames loungers. We've earned like a Le Corbusier or a Wegener. No, no. They're just sitting in, everything was crap. The toast was crap. Like that weird redheaded guy who kept yeah. doing stuff, that, that intern with his weird little body, like get him out of there. <laughs> so I, I couldn't believe how junky some of their stuff was. John's playing Epiphone guitars, which are like Gibson ripoffs. Like he's not yeah, even playing like Gibson. So of course, you know, my consumer eye was instantly like, they should buy yeah. new stuff. Yeah, well, the, you're right. The chairs, I, when yeah. you pointed that out, I know I could not unsee that for the rest of the documentary. And it, they, it looked like the chairs like in an in an improv class. Yes. Where like you're 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 taking them on and off stage after your little bits. You at, that, know? at that moment in time, someone dropped 50 bucks into this. It's yeah. the Beatles. Yeah. yeah. Or, or 25 pounds. Right. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I did have that same reaction to the, the get back moment as you. And, it, and I thought it really it, it's something that we've seen, I think, a couple of times in writers rooms over the years. That it's, it's this inspirational thing because the context of that moment wasn't just him sitting there. It was everyone else kind of giving up. Yes. And having no drive at all. And him just going like. He had talked to them. He's like, look, we got to decide. We we either got to say we're doing this or not doing this. And no one else was doing anything. And him going like, fuck it, man. I'm just going to put these guys on my back and I keep going. It. Like, And I'm, yeah. you know, it's like the running back who keeps his legs moving. But it's like I've been in that situation before in totally. writer's rooms where everyone just fucking abdicates responsibility. Yes. Yeah. And like he yeah. didn't do it. And that's like. He's such a good leader. Like, if, if you had asked me totally right. prior to this documentary, who are your favorite Beatles in order? I would have said uh, George, John, Paul, Ringo. Right. Yeah. After the documentary, Paul, Ringo. Yeah, Ringo is pretty amazing, I gotta <laughs> because say. he's the guy everyone likes. Like, yeah, you can he's tell. He's like the glue. He shows up. He shows yeah. up every he day. He shows up. He's ready. He has a great attitude. It's like, I'll take that guy. Every freaking time. I, and Paul, yeah. like, you really got to see, you know, because you just hear the Beatles on an album and you go, well, they played that song in that way. Right. But what you, you get to see in this documentary is yeah. they're like an amazing band, meaning that, like, his proficiency on every instrument yeah. Yeah, is as Paul. good as it is on bass or maybe even better. Yeah, his when he got on the incredible. drums. And then he, he hops on the drums. <laughs> yes. He's good. He's really uh, good. You know, and he's... He's able to, like, tell everyone else what to do and show them how to do it yeah. on yes. their instrument, which, like, I had no idea that he could do that. And, th and then they never fuck up, seemingly. Like, I've, I've spent <laughs> hours so a day playing only guitar. <laughs> yes. I, I fuck up every time I play anything I fuck yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> he never fucks up somehow. No. And, like, he, like, I guess he must have perfect pitch. 
I don't know, yeah. but like he knows all the yeah. chords and the changes and the yeah. minors relative, and the sevenths, yeah. which if you have played an instrument at all, like even just navigating your way through guitar when you're just doing the shapes of the chords and like looking at the thing is like fucking impossible after 30 years of doing it. Yeah. Yes. And he's at the time, what, 30? Less. They yeah, were all under 30. Wow. They were yeah. all under so 30, which is crazy. Yeah. Their musicianship is incredible. And they, they just glossed over it in the documentary where they say, you know, they were in Hamburg, Germany, where they'd play for eight hours at a time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's like it's they... a desk job. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's so, where they got awesome. That yeah. was incredible. I mean, JC, I'm wondering if you if you watch this with Stu, like when you guys play your instruments, like when Stu plays, he's a professional musician. Yes. Does he? And maybe he you can't say this because it, it would be bad for this to get out. Does he fuck up all the time? Like, yeah. how do you not, not really. fuck up? Well, you know, there are there's a level after good and great. Yeah. There's another level that they all know who they are. But how do you get yeah. there? What's the secret? I think you're born with it. I mean, uh, you know. I knew it. I, I knew it. I really do. And I think that the other musicians can see it in each other. And it's this unspoken language. And Do you I, see it in me? <laughs> I see <laughs> no. it in you. <laughs> That's, it's basically like me asking JC, JC, you have a really nice nose. How did you get that? Can I, I just, can I just kind of? <laughs> so but, like when you yeah. think about music... And I mean, when you hear a song, do you know what they're playing? You mean each part? Chords. Chords. Chords, Chords no, I, and the notes and the progression. And if you pick up an instrument and you wanted to jump in, could you I do all that? I could do that with bass. Um, but I'm not like Stu. Well, Stu can, they'll hear a song and then can speak with another musician and say, oh, yeah, yeah, they go to the four. And then they, yeah, they'll like add the diminish here. You know, they'll talk very fluently. Yeah. In that language, I am in not on that level. Yeah, so much I, cooler than writing. <laughs> I know it really is. And by the way, they're also writing. They're also yes. doing what yes. we do way better than we do it. Like they're yes. also writing lyrics that are amazing lyrics that everyone knows. Yeah. In addition to mastering this music out of nothing, and which it, the whole thing was. It calls leadership. I want to get back to that for one second. Because that's the thing that really stood out to me was, you know, if you follow sports and and you look at your football team and why it's good or bad, or you know, you've been on a team, or you look at a basketball team, why it's good. It's it's that person who just says, like, this seems hopeless, but there's one way out, and that's to do anything. Yes. And then to do it, like, that is the essence of humanity, is, like, why yes. are we doing anything? And then to, despite the knowledge that it's pointless, try to do something and will something into existence. Like, I yeah. I was blown away by that. I will say too. his persistence on taking that role is also something that I noticed because everyone in the band, except for Ringo, I'll say George and, and John were kind of like, don't tell me what to do. Like yeah. they were, they were resistant, but mm -hmm. he persisted. Yeah, you persisted, know? and he persisted in. That was another great thing. There, there's a scene in there. Um, I think it's in the second episode where John and Paul are having lunch, and it's not <gasps> filmed, but it's recorded. Like in they the record pot. in the flower yes. pot, and yes, that was such a great conversation because not only was Paul an amazing leader who took the reins of of certainly this 
era. Uh, and and I, from what I understand, the last half of the Beatles, he was like this. Yeah. But he does it in a way where even if he is kind of a little bit in a moment, moment to moment being an asshole in someone right. else's eyes, he owns it. Like when they're yeah, talking he about it, he... He, he's not one of those guys who sits there and goes, no, I'm not doing that. No, I want that. No, I didn't mean it yeah. like that. He says, he kept saying, yeah, sure. Yep. Yes, I understand. I get that. Yes. But he kept coming back to the point of like. Yes. But this, this isn't is an the- era with no psychology also. Yeah. Yes. You know, like we've all heard <laughs> what you're supposed to do and we know yes. what you're supposed to do because we've seen Tony <laughs> Robbins and taken college psychology and seen five, seen, you know, 500 episodes of Oprah. Yeah. Right. And we we all know how we're supposed to be. We have some context. Like there, that wasn't out there. Yeah, like that, that was, was an era of you know no. telling people it was a Logan Roy era. It's fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and another amazing thing about the Beatles, and I think about this a lot because obviously they're my favorite band. I you know I love them. And we, we 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 I know kind of hot, hot take. Hot take yeah. <laughs> he likes the Beatles. Um, <laughs> You know, we, we're going to have a top five later in the show that's about the Beatles and all that. But something that I think about a lot is if you took the Beatles' 50th to 60th best songs yeah. and gave them to any other band, that other band would be one of the greatest bands in history instantly wow. by getting the Beatles' like 50th ranked song. I was looking, and I, I confess to cheating. Oh, I, I mean, because I, I mean, I know a million Beatles so songs, but I was songs. looking at lists. I was Same. looking at lists of Beatles songs, oh, and then shame I got, on you. When you get to like the fifties and sixties, I'm seeing all these songs like "Hello Goodbye" and "We Can Work It Out," and they're up there in fifties and sixties, and those songs are amazing. They are. It, yes. It's just it was really a joy. I, I thank Peter Jackson and whoever else was responsible for putting this together because it was, boy, was this, it was just, we're going through another slog of COVID and there's a new variant and everything seems shitty. And yeah. and then this came along and it was so fucking uplifting. It was such a great way to spend eight hours. And I instantly started watching it again. Um, and, and this yeah, is I'm something now that, that is up there with all the great Beatles things that I love from my life, you know, including like Sergeant Pepper and Hard Day's Night, the movie. Like, yeah, this is something that I will go back to and rewatch and love forever. And I was just I couldn't be more thrilled about it. Yeah. I just want to great. point out for anyone who would doubt your Beatles bona fides and your fandom. Yeah, you have a couple Beatles posters. <laughs> that's amazing that's so you've move. been on board right I'm, like i'm pretty I can't legit because you've had the posters man I check the receipts i am fairly legit I don't look at the wall brag. there's a poster <laughs> i like it that much that's right i will put up a poster of these guys when no one else would um oh. i also think another hot take is that um when people compare mccartney to mozart it short changes McCartney. There, I've yeah. said it. I think that Mozart undoubtedly came, created a lot of fantastic music. McCartney does that, but what McCartney does, Mozart didn't play a violin in his own orchestra. Mozart oh, didn't yeah. write, have to write lyrics for his shit. Like, McCartney does it all. I don't think we'll ever see the yeah. like, certainly not in well, our lifetime. Counterpoint <laughs> is solo Mozart better than solo McCartney. 
I have no idea <laughs> that I have no idea. Because <laughs> I mean, one of the things about Paul is, is, is it's interesting because he is this great leader, but I think he does need those other people because, you know, when he then went out on his own, mm. it was not as good. And I, I like some wings and, yeah, you know, I, I love ebony and ivory. Yeah, I, I, I love Settle it. down. Settle down. Um, I think there's just it, no one knows how to construct a song better than Paul McCartney. I don't think anyone ever, you know. Weezer? Including... <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> You've trumped me there. Oh, um, oh you know what? Well, also, yeah. um, the perception of Yoko and how Paul, Paul was really, really kind totally. to her about her was like, look, this is what it is. Let them be in love. I was yes. really surprised oh about that. Yeah. <laughs> she did what you want, which is like, just sit there and like, don't make a fuss. Yeah. Well, there were a couple the of caterwauling. <laughs> yeah, some, like, some but howling. that was before they were rehearsing. Okay, good yeah, point. Yeah. yeah, I might have left that out. Of it. it didn't do much for Yoko's image. Right. Whereas the stuff Paul said was great. You know, yeah. you're right. He said, like, look, they're in love. They want yeah. to be together. Leave like, them alone. Let's, you know, yeah. we can't. Well, who are we to stop that? Yeah. But yeah, the caterwauling kind of got on my uh, my nerves a little bit. <laughs> oh, it is interesting because I think we've all had one or two friends in life where you just see this couple and you're like, what is why are they together? Like, yeah. What? Did you feel that way about John and Yoko? Like, what? Yeah. Okay. Like, like Linda McCartney seemed <laughs> awesome. That makes, yeah, that tracks. And, that makes Yeah. Sense. And it just, it just is like, is this a drug thing or are you guys like I don't on know. some I... cosmic level? Like what's happening? Yeah. To, Cause well, they don't, they showed no intimacy in talking or they seem to have no rapport. Oh, and, right. and, and Yoko? And Yoko. Like, they, they seemed like they didn't know each other. Like, they'd been seated next to each other at a wedding. <laughs> I, I, and then I they know. talked about the two things they could have talked about, and now they're just sitting there. They, like, they didn't appear to have any chemistry or anything. I don't know. She, she tore a piece of gum in half and gave it to him, which I thought <laughs> okay. was a sweet moment. It was very <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, anyway, if you're listening to this podcast... I would encourage you to turn it off right now <laughs> and go and watch this documentary on Disney Plus, which was just fantastic. And now CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We have to move into something terrible, something that's killing us, something we no longer enjoy, but we feel obligated to do. Let's move in to Johnny Joe. Love the variation. 
All right, I'm not going to waste time dilly-dallying up top. I'm going to get right into my terrible jokes. <clears throat> Here we go. Now, here's an interesting story. Archaeologists in Peru have discovered a mummy that's over 800 years old. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the daddy was found downstairs, still waiting for the mummy to get ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, that was... That was the one I thought was best. Here we go. That was still, good. Still that was good. moving along, and they get worse and worse. Here we go. Uh, you might have heard about this. Sixty patrons were snowed into a pub in northern England after Hurricane Arwen passed through the area last week. Yeah. Experts say the stranded tipplers have set the first ever Guinness Guinness World Record. <laughs> Guinness, Guinness. Stranded tipplers. Stranded tipplers. I, like that. I, I thought like you might that. like yeah. that term. Okay. Oh boy, here we go. This is where we start to go blue. Uh, this is an interesting story. After a long absence, the Supreme Court has begun hearing oral arguments in person. Uh, anal arguments will continue to be held once a year on his birthday. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. One more. Which terrible one do we do here? All right. We're going we're gonna to have a, a little uh, blue He's barrel. He's a sodomite. <laughs> sodomite. <laughs> and lastly, a rat infestation at a Kellogg's plant has forced the cereal giant to consider a mass recall. Yeah, a, a top executive was quoted as saying, it's either that or snap, crackle, poop. <laughs> mm. oh, I, why did I end with that one? That was a No, it wasn't. I should have ended with anal. should have ended with anal. The ordering there was suspect. Always, like when it actually happens, you end with anal. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, yeah, there's nowhere to go after that. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Second Johnny, take All over. Right. Here we go. In an upcoming movie just announced, Nicolas Cage will play Dracula. Mm. Yeah. Uh, makeup artists are already hard at work trying to make Cage less creepy for the role. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. Take the money and run on that one. <laughs> Jack Dorsey, mm. Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, Twitter. <laughs> has left the company. Yeah. Uh, Dorsey says he looks forward to experimenting with long sentences and maybe even paragraphs. <laughs> All right. These, I think, are stronger, these two. So here oh, we go. Oh, here we go. Okay. Xenobots. Yeah, Ooh. Xenobots. <laughs> The world's first living robots have learned how to reproduce. Yeah. And uh, after a few nights with their first Xeno babies, they rapidly invented Xeno condoms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And uh, this last one, I'm going to... We've done this before briefly. I'm switching from a Johnny joke to a Normie joke. Right. I'm doing oh, the style right. of Norm MacDonald. Awesome. It doesn't work as a Johnny joke, but I like the joke. I love that you can switch it up. All right, here we go. Yeah, there's a new variant of the coronavirus called uh, Omicron. Omicron that developed in the lungs of a South African AIDS patient. Yeah, and uh, fortunately, after two rounds of antibodies, fluvoxin and steroids, the man was cured and able to go back to just having AIDS. <laughs> 
was very normish. Loved that. He couldn't, oh, couldn't do that as Johnny. Right. The Norman Conquest. <laughs> Love that. Excellent work. Uh, Excellent. And now the clock countdown begins to the next time we have to do it. I can't believe it. We got to do more. This is oh. the best moment of the week. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna savor this ten seconds. I know. Yeah. I enjoy don't it. Have to. I just Think did Johnny it. jokes. <laughs> Savor it. And I have Free the most amount of time I'm ever going to have to write more Johnny jokes. <laughs> oh, I saw this. Uh, there was a report this morning that LeBron James is like in the COVID protocols, desperately trying to think of a Johnny joke for that. Oh. I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. All right. So now we've come to the theme portion of the show. And this week we are going to talk about network notes. Now, many of you listening might know what that means, but for those of you who don't, when you are writing a show or running a show or creating a show, the network or the studio will give you notes as a writer about your script saying, we think you should change this. We think this character needs to be in it more. We think it should be set here. We think this joke doesn't work. You get the point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it often creates a, an adversarial, out, let's say, relationship between oh. writers and executives <laughs> where, you know, the writers are sort of this gang of misfits. And when they get we're, we're, let's face it, writers have fragile egos. We're not the most mature people. So when people tell us that we're doing something wrong, we get pissed. So we're going to talk a little bit today about different kinds of network notes and maybe how you can deal with them moving forward and what the best way is to kind of take them and move on. Goldie, I know you uh, have had a, a lot of experience with this because you've created two of your Because no one shows. likes what I write. <laughs> well, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. I love what you write. And, oh, but thank you. The, uh, the thing is, the reason that you are sort of ripe for the noting is because mm -hmm. when you create your own show. Yes. Nobody, you know, it hasn't aired, so there's no reaction to it yet. So right. that's the kind of environment that's perf a perfect storm for a lot of network notes. So what what were some of the things you did and how did how did you deal with with the notes as they came in? Well, so yeah, I've had two shows uh both failed making history. Uh United We Fool. <laughs> um so you know, at, at its core to me, this notes process, here, here's where my frustration begins, is you go in to sell a show, right? And, and the reason you're doing this is because there's a TV network that wants to make TV, but they don't know how to do it themselves, or else why are you there? They don't right. need you unless you could have a TV show for them. Right. So you tell them, here's a TV show. They purchase it, and they agree with you at that moment, and they say, thank you. We didn't know how to make a TV show and now you've given us this idea for a TV show. Just so you know, we have 50 other of these things out there, and we're probably not going to do yours. You go, okay. And then you write your TV show, and they pick yours. They go, you won. Out of everyone in Hollywood that we tried to get a TV show out of, you were the only person who knew how to make a TV show. And you go, wow, thank you so much. And so then you hand in your thing, and you go, here it is, the TV show we all agreed on. And then instantly they're like, you're an idiot. And they start telling you everything that's wrong with it. Whereas you go, you didn't know how to make a TV show. That's why you bought my TV show. And now that I've given you my TV show, all of a sudden in the time it took for me to make it, you've learned how to make a TV show and you're the expert telling me everything I'm doing wrong. That's crazy. <laughs> that's but otherwise I have no problem with the process at <laughs> all. And I'm, I'm eager to engage with executives. Always. That's, that's the business we've chosen. And I think w let's of course add into this that 
will we'll be criticizing networks and studios for the way and the, the volume of notes that they give and the kind of notes that they give. But let's be clear. So many writers suck. Oh, so many like yeah. so many writers suck. So many actors suck. So many of the creative types are not good. Not everyone except three people suck on all sides. Exactly. <laughs> so it's not like while today we are focusing on possibly network note failings, there's so much failing to go around when it comes yes. to writers and actors and everyone on the oh. creative side. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it DPs. was. Oh, God. Everyone. What are they doing? <laughs> Um, yeah, so notes are, are tough to get. And, and let's point out, and not just because she's a super fan of this show, but uh, we've worked with Susanna Makos on Dads. Great executive. She was fantastic. And now, she, yeah. of course, rightfully so, she's been promoted to some huge job on HBO Max and she's killing it over there. Like they're doing great with her shows because... She doesn't even she, have to listen to people like me pitch anymore because good people come in. Exactly. <laughs> Real right. people. People you want to do shows with. Not exactly. Like, not like, oh, God, we've gone through the list of people we like. None of them can do it here. Who else? Right. I know. Uh, yeah. That fucking bald guy who was at the table read on dads. Does he have an idea? Let's, get, yeah, let's she, see. She's in there listening to poet laureates and you know, yeah. Jonathan Franzen. Tony Kushner has, a, yeah, has, has a limited series idea. <laughs> Give it to Makos. But so Makos was the, the network executive who was in charge of dads. And again, we just built her up, so now we got to shit on her. She was in charge of dads. So what was great about her was – she is honest and she's smart and she's funny. So if she had a note for us, she would give it to us. If she didn't have a note for us, she didn't feel that insecurity that I think a lot of executives feel that they need to give a note because this is their job. So I better yeah. sit here. Nice. It's like a great coach of a team who knows their team is playing the way, the way they want. And so they don't say like, oh, do this or change that or do run sprints. It's like you guys are doing – this is what I wanted from you, so keep doing it. Makos was very much that way. And let me just add in for the, the sake of my home life, and it's totally true, Tall was that way. I never worked with Tall as an oh, executive, awesome. but from what everyone tells me who has worked with her, she and Makos are very similar in that way. They're, they're smart, they're funny, they're secure in, in themselves, yeah. so they don't have this need to overnote people, which I think a lot of executives feel like this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to give notes. So I'm just going to give a bunch of notes. Yeah. Doesn't work well that way. So we had a great relationship with the note givers on dads. We have a great relationship with the network note givers on Family Guy. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Family Guy has been on the air for 20 years. And so everybody's just like, let's let, you know, keep this money wagon rolling. I'm not going to sit here and overnote them because whatever's happening is clearly yeah. working. So there can be a hand in hand, respectful, uh, mutually beneficial relationship between writers and executives. But I think a lot of the time, it doesn't work out that way because 90% of shows fail. More, 99% of shows fail. Right. And right. so you're getting the advice from the people who caused the same failures that you're replacing. So <laughs> inherently and logically, there's there's a bit of a bump there. But I think what what the good executives do is sometimes they're not even speaking for themselves. Sometimes they're speaking for the person above them who runs the whole network. And they're trying to let you know subtly like, hey... People, if you want to keep this thing on the air, yeah. my boss likes this and hates this. 
Yes. So more of the thing they like, less of the thing they hate. Yes. Yeah. And, Which is and, fair. And that's totally fair. And I, I, I really don't have a problem with network notes as much because they're the customer as I do with studio notes where you just go, <laughs> if the customer is happy, why is someone at the corporate office saying, well, I don't like it. Well, it's like, you're not the customer. So right. don't watch it. Watch something yeah. else. Like the customer is the network and the network is the person who's going to make the decision whether to buy more or not. Yes, yes. that's right. And so that that's all that matters to me. Like I, I just, it's it's always the studio part that I had the problem with because I did not understand logically why they were weighing in when the customer was happy. And then yes. you have to go to the customer and you go, oh, that thing you liked, I changed it. And they're like, why? And you're like, because oh, yeah. someone over there didn't like it. And it's like, yeah. well, they're not really involved. So, so that's where things get bogged down. You're totally right about that. It's this element of having network notes and studio notes to contend with. And I think a lot of and times- And you're not so- allowed to like combine them for some reason. Like no. there's there's no- hey, why don't you guys watch the same run through and then give all the notes at once? And why yeah. don't you guys talk in a room and get on the same page? Like, no, that's verboten. If you suggest that for some reason, you're looked at as a malingering asshole. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so things get very confused because you get notes from two sides. You have to decipher, you know, which notes you're going to deal with which notes are more important, which notes are more weighted. And that's that can be very tough to do. But I want to highlight... And also, yeah. I just want to add briefly, they very often directly contradict. Yes. Like the, the people who are tough. like, we need to cut that set piece at the party, uh, you know, which is the studio doesn't want to spend any money. So they're always like, anything good and big and fun. They're like, could that just be, we have a phone call where they talk about how great the party was? <laughs> right. And then we could save vital to this corporation whereas you know the network because it's not their money is like that party scene triple it everything that happened there was great and we want to know everyone at the party and see their pov on everything so it's it's like particularly when i had making history which was a time travel show the network was all for all the big time traveling set pieces in the studio was in the room and going like, yeah, 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 it's so great. We're going to do that. And then the network would leave and they were like, we absolutely cannot do that. You are not spending that money. And yeah, like, we, we can't. And at one point on a call, I was told, you're not allowed to time travel anymore. <laughs> on your it's time like, travel yes. show? Yes. Like, this is what, this is what this? you bought. You it bought right. the time so traveling show. When there's well, a note like that. And, it's, uh, it's all because production doesn't want to build a cobblestone street. Right. You no, know, they do like, want to build it. That's the thing is the people you know, who work on the show, love doing their job. And right. the more creative it is, the better for them. But, it's, yeah. you know, they don't want to yeah. spend the money to make the thing that was bought sometimes. Well, so here, here, you know what? We like to have practical solutions. And this may not, this may not fall under that category. But something I will say, and I just want to highlight for a minute, and, and Goldie and JC, we all know this person very well. So Rich Appel mm-hmm. is the... We are co-showrunners currently on Family Guy. Rich Appel, when it comes to dealing with the studio, the network, uh, legal calls, standards calls, basically kind of all the bullshit you see as a nightmare to deal with. By those standards, I would say he is the best showrunner in the history of Hollywood. He, There's Amazing. nobody who's ever been better at handling studio, network, legal 
standards, which are all things that people like you and I, we get pissed off. You know, you get a note you don't agree with and you're like, fuck them. You get a standards note. I can't believe they're not going to let us do that. A legal <laughs> yeah, note. You can't no, play this. You're like, well, why the fuck can't we just pay for that song? That. Yeah. yeah he's, like, I'm uh, playing poker and I'm like, a four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Uh, yeah. Because there is yeah. value to being discreet and slow playing <laughs> in <laughs> business. Yes. And I'm just like, a fucking eight, a four, a two, uh, not over the same suit. And it's like, okay, now they know you're an idiot. Well, and, and so he's I, like the opposite of that. He's the opposite of that. So that, if you have somebody, and the, I mean, I guess the practical solution part of it is, if you have somebody who's more comfortable, who's more adept socially, who can speak the language of executives better than, say, I can or you can, like Rich has made a great career out of, you know, being very smart, fu very funny, having really good ideas, but also building incredible relationships with the people you want to build relationships with. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's he's just in good with the right people in a great way, you know, yeah. and it's not like he's, you know, greasing their palms or anything. He's just a charming social guy yeah. who, who makes friends easily and... The I get end it. was. I, <laughs> I know. Well, I get that. I, I'm. I do too. Yeah, I'm terrible at it that. It seems and like thank, he he loves that. Like it seems like that's something yes. he really well, looks he's, to. Yeah. yeah you're you're right, JC. He he's great at it, and it has made a huge difference for Family Guy. You know, because Family Guy is a show that that stock and trade is offensive jokes and jokes that kind of try to push the envelope and mean things and and all that. And he gets it all in the show because he has these great relationships and he knows how to treat people with respect. There are no angry phone hangups and I'm never talking to you again and shut the fuck up and I don't want to have that executive in the room. Everyone is treated with respect and he works them. You know, they don't they aren't even aware of it, that they're getting worked, but he works them in such an effective way. And the end result is Family Guy is a much better show because we are allowed to do the things that we want to do. And so he deserves all the credit in the world for that. But the reason to talk about that here is if you're getting into writing, if you're possibly getting into creating your own show and, and doing all that stuff, you have to shed this idea of like the us against them mentality when it comes to writers and the network, because that is that will get you nowhere. It's not going to get your show picked up. It's not going to get you your next deal with whatever studio oh, or network. No, it won't. But, but what? <laughs> <laughs> but, but what will is if you figure out a way, a palatable way that you can deal with all these people, take their notes respectfully. And Goldie, we've talked about this before. Well, I was going to say, if, if you're listening and you can figure that out, you should email a typical disgusting display <laughs> yes. at gmail.com and let me know how you did that. Yeah. Yes. And we'll start a show together. Because you're still trying to figure that out. But also, Goldie, I remember, because we've talked about this a little bit before, off, you know, off podcast, and you've had some great phrases in terms of like how to respectfully deal with a note that maybe yeah. you have no intention of dealing with. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, I mean, now I'm giving away my secrets, my secrets yeah. but it's like, I'm also, I also might be retired. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing, uh, it's six words. Okay. We'll take a look at it. Yes. <laughs> we'll take That's a look at a, it. Yeah. Yep. That's great. That's such we'll a great take a way. Look at it. Such a great way <laughs> yeah. to deal with a note. 
you're listening, you're listening, you're listening. You're going, what the, no, what the fuck? No, we're not, no, that's terrible. Hate it, hate it. And then you just smile and go, oh yeah, we'll take a look at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So here, let's let's practice yeah. that and let's practice that in action. I'll say, okay. yeah, Goldie, we thought um, maybe reconsider changing that uh, that scene at the at the end of Act Two because I I don't I'm not certain that that we're getting the payoff what? that we need. <laughs> sure, Dan, we'll take a look at it. <laughs> I don't even want to know who Dan is. Or yeah, how I no, I mean, and not what I you couldn't was... see is as he was speaking, I'm like fucking punching myself in <laughs> yes. the face, like which is fine. Thing in the whole episode, yeah. which is fine. Yeah, and, um, but that yeah. that's something that I think has been helpful. The and second then, thing and the... is, I think realizing that it's a long game where ultimately you have all the control because what you can do is wait them out. Like, you just make sure you have pages of it where you get it your way. You make sure if you're on a multicam or on a set, you make sure you get the footage of you doing it your way. You don't put it in the first cut. You don't put it in the second cut. And then before the final cut, you go, yeah, that's that stuff that was like we had talked about. It wasn't really working. So I had this other thing that I put in there, which was the way you want to do it originally. <laughs> And then they're like, we're not sure. And you're like, ah, the episode locks in an hour. Sorry. And then you just do it your way. And then you get canceled later. <laughs> Again, but you've an- done it your way. Yes. The anti-appell right there. Yeah. Um, and while we're talking about that position, I think it's also worth, because we've talked about, you know, how Rich Appel does it and does it so well. So, and that rhymed. But... W- <laughs> Another person to talk about, totally worth mentioning in in the same breath, is Mike Scully. So we've talked about him on this show before. Obviously, we love Mike. We've worked with Mike, and he's hilarious, creative, smart, nice. But he he has a different tact than Rich Appel. So whereas Rich works those relationships and can get what he wants because he has such great relationships with all these people, Mike is a little more old school defiance, kind of like what you would picture in your mind if you think of like the way a showrunner would deal with the network notes. He does not like bad notes. He has no patience for them. He has no patience for people who are not really good at their job. And he's protective, rightfully so, of his creative vision and his writer's room, like what they come up with. So it's a different way of doing things where Mike will stand up and openly fight for something. But he himself has established a relationship with network executives where that's what he's going to do. And they know that going into a project. But it's also project. clear that he's doing it to make the show good and not because he's mad. Whereas no. I think that's an important see, distinction yeah. to make. Is that yes. He has a track you record. Wanna, I'm, I err on the side of I'm just mad and it feels good to <laughs> scream at someone. Yeah. Whereas he's on the side of like, this is... This is ultimately better for you, Mr. and Mrs. Executive, because it's going to make the show better, which is a great thing to keep in mind. Yeah, totally right. And so just bringing him up was a way of highlighting like you don't have to take the Rich Appel route of being everybody's good friend and getting your way that way. You can take a Mike's. Yeah, the diplomat route. Exactly. You can take the Mike Scully route of standing up for everything and being defiant about what you want. And Mike Scully continues to 
you know, be showrunner, have shows that he creates. Like they continue to keep hiring him because I think they respect him for that. Yeah. So that's just by way of saying like you don't have to act one way or another to deal with network notes. And I, But I think, Goldie, what you said is actually right down the middle. We'll take a look at that. Like we'll take a well, look at that. Is such a, a cure all for for <laughs> for any any network or studio note. We'll take a look at that. They're instantly on to the next note. A- another you know arrow in your quiver is um, <laughs> just the sort of squint with the, uh, the 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 shake your head and you and you go that that would be really expensive. <laughs> just make it that you're concerned about yes. the budget yes. and it you pays re- you like because. I mean, the notion that, you know, when they come to you and they're like, you know, you're over budget. And that's like when they, you know, someone say being mad that the Yankees gave out a lot of expensive contracts. It's like, who gives a fuck? That's not my money. When they're, yeah. you know, they're like, oh, you're over budget. It's like, what budget? Yeah. What fucking budget. Like your, your company's worth a trillion dollars. Yeah. So like you go, OK, don't, you know, don't buy Dixie cups for some water room in Illinois. I don't care. I don't care about your stupid budget. Why would I care? That's absurd. But if you pretend to be on the side of like, I, you know, have an eye toward all this fiscal stuff as well. And, I, you know, when I look inside the QuickBooks, I become distressed at the, uh, at the profligacy of this show. And I'm going to toe the line on that. And I'm going to keep you honest as well. You know, because well, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm Scrooge. I'm Scrooge. It's the holiday season money after all. Money is important. Anyway, that's, money. That's something you can Wait, do. Wait, I, I want to I bring you back to something. I'd like to hear what's happening in the water room in Illinois. <laughs> yeah. Who gives a shit? Let them use their hands as cups you're so thirsty put your mouth on the freaking no, spigot what, what, what's even happening there what is the, no i'm just saying that they're, they're you're saying the, the budget of the whole company like the budget of this show like you know newsflash we're not bankrupting fucking netflix you know by being eight grand over on some battle scene shoot it's fine oh god now i'm just all i can think about is what show is happening in illinois that i want to see i don't know uh, the water room in illinois that's where it, i love that i don't we'll take a look at it We'll take, oh, um, and, and, and another way to go. And here's one that was just very effective because at a certain point you go, what's my time worth? Like, if I can address these notes, even if I don't agree with them, if I can get out by five, is that worth the humiliation of just taking the notes? And then maybe just letting them see the horror of their version writ large right. and then having to bask in how bad it is. And this is something that if you've watched Game of Thrones, this is something that I call the reek pass. And here's where it comes from. Is maybe you remember the, the, the character Theon Greyjoy. Yes. Yes, that was his name. And yep. then uh, he was this uh, this vanguard on the battlefield and, and this proud soldier. Lothario. And then he got taken captive and they i think they cut his nuts off right yeah and then yeah. they he, they turned him into this animal named reek who did whatever they wanted and so i just say like okay i'm reek here i'll take every fucking note and i'm gonna put it in the script and i'm, I'm not reek. gonna spend that much time on it because they're terrible and now here's the draft 
What do you think, guys? Oh, it's terrible. Shocker. Let's go back to the version that the writer did. <laughs> but that's well, no, a way we'll, to go. Well, and again, this is when you know is, you're not getting would, when you know you're canceled. That's a fun yeah, thing to do. I would I would never take that advice, but I love that story that take. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's another question for you, and I think mm-hmm. you might have an answer to it. What happens when they give you a note you don't want to take it, and you do, and the show gets better? Oh, well, that's the worst, isn't it? I mean, as I always say, you know, the worst part of all this is that the script has become better. And then there's, there's the, you've experienced the anger of the notes, and now you're experiencing the anger that they knew better than you did. It's, yes. It's, it sucks. It's the worst possible outcome. And then everyone, then they throw an arm around you. We did it. We. I love that. Uh, and as, as oh, we've the team, about- the team. <laughs> the team of people that sits in an office, reads a script, oh. and spends 20 minutes tearing apart versus the people who live there. What oh, a team Gold- we make. Goldie and Dan, the dream team. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, and I, you've, you've talked about that before, which I think is hilarious, the idea of an executive putting his arm around you on the stage as it's happening saying, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, that makes me laugh so hard, only because I'm picturing you under the arm there. But also, we've mentioned this before, is that that moment, that we did it moment, that translates to the next being paid for the next three years of your life. Yes. Ah, and so is important. it worth it? Is the temporary humiliation worth it? Now you know you've truly become a corporate stooge. They like you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But by You're the way, not punk rock. <laughs> nope. You're friggin' Muzak. Yes. Oh, my God. And, uh, and it's, it's so interesting because we can't. You know, go to the Dockers store and buy anything you want. <laughs> Go to Banana Republic and get any shirt. That's who you are now. That's who you are. Oh God, I used to have a Banana Republic card too. Um, oh. But we came, we came into this. You know, we were doing stand up in our twenties, and we came into this being writers in our our later twenties. And and you have that defiance and like I know better and mm-hmm. fuck you attitude, that punk rock attitude, oh, as you so want to say. But now we're we're in our forties. And Barely. I, or, or, yeah, or JC, I, I don't know, really, but 40s ish. Yeah, okay, good. So, yeah, we're, we're at the tail end of our 40s. Yeah. And I mean, is it okay to have a little Muzak for three years of a paycheck? Yes. Yes. Okay, so that's what yeah. we'd say. No if you can, hesitation. Yeah. Yes, I love that. No hesitation. Well, you shouldn't be me. Like, the, the thing to do is to just be agreeable, take the notes, be smart, get a million deals, and then, you know, buy a place in Malibu. I mean, that's the, yes. that's the move. That's right. the goal. The move isn't to be belligerent, fail a bunch of times that no one remembers, <laughs> create kind of a wake of dislike, and then peter out, going back to your old, crawling back to your old job. <laughs> Begging them to take you and then sitting in your chair like the end of the movie Awakening. That's not what this is about. <laughs> Unable to catch a tennis ball thrown at you. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's great. And by the way, we begged you to come back. I think it was mutual begging. So you're we still you're still doing something true. right. Thank you. And by the way, the day that you buy a place in Malibu, that Ma- all of Malibu will be swept out into the Pacific. You know I that, know. right? Well, yeah. first of all, I mean, thank God I'll never have to worry about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
I've been spared the anxiety of my Malibu home being in danger from erosion. <laughs> right. So thank everyone so much. Thank you, every executive who didn't put their I mean, arm around me. I mean, if I were sitting here and I had to worry about the, the beach line and the, the sand deficit and, and all the coastal issues, I'd be miserable. Oh, God. Well, so I guess to, to kind of put a bow on the network notes theme thank you for the notes thank you for the notes we'll take a look at it (laughs) we'll take a look at it is the perfect phrase and the one thing you should remember from this whole segment but that was fun to talk about okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, And now we're going to get to um, a part of the show that we love and we call Top 5. Top 5. That's us singing. Has anyone ever harmonized better? Yes, our top five group today. So today we talked about the Beatles up top. We teased it. Uh, Today we're going to do our top five Beatles songs. And this was an impossible task. There are way too many to fit into top five, but still very fun to think about and listen to a lot of these songs again. So that was that was great. Is there anyone who would like to go first? I'll go first. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I'm ready. Go for it. Uh, Number five. And this wouldn't have been there prior to watching the documentary, but now it's squeaking in because I know the the legend behind it, the song Get Back. I yes. love that choice. Oh God, God, yes. Yes. Um, 100%. 100% agree. Number four. Now, this isn't even written by one of the Beatles, but I, I think it just as a song and a pure like poppy love song is perfection till there was you. Wow. Oh, I love that. Yeah. What a great choice. I didn't even nice. think of that, but that's Same. such a it's, beautiful rendition of that it's, song. It's great. Wow. And it, it's, and it's just Paul again. The Paul innocence of the magic. voice. So yeah. great. There were birds <laughs> on the hill. Um, number three. And you're going to see, like, now I just fall into, like, I like a certain type of song, and that's all this is. Yeah, sure. I hear you. My preference for it. So number three is something. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, very I share, nice. you know, Frank Sinatra, and I love that song. Yep. Uh, number two, and, and number two and number one feel like almost the same song in a way. Number two is Across the Universe. Nice. Great song. Yes, debated. I mean, you can't knock it. And number okay. one is The Long and Winding Road. Oh, but number it, one. But isn't that just Across the Universe? Isn't, isn't it the same thing? <laughs> but I just like that yeah. whole, like, drippy genre. Yeah. Sort of oh, metaphysical, that's... everything's going to be yeah. okay, a notion of home, yeah. wow. whatever. That's just what I like. But, like, I don't think it's a great list, but it, it just reflects my preference for, like... It's a great list. A yeah. dopey, cosmic, 
type yeah. of music. You can't you can't make a bad list. Although I will yeah. say, Long and Winding Road number one is highly controversial. Well, like but I, I don't like, like a lot of the. It, it, it to me, it's a lot of the the biggest ones have been overplayed. Like I can't do yeah. a Hey Jude same. or Let It Be because like oh, when those come on, it's like Hotel I California. I've heard it too many I, times. Yeah. Again, I I think I we disagree on that because I know we've talked about Hotel California in that way. Whereas every time yeah. Hotel California comes on the radio, I crank it. I love that oh, song. Wow. So I'm not with you on the. Uh, I'm with you, Goldie. I get it. I get yeah. it, but that's it's my list. And yeah. you all right, JC, we're gonna we're gonna let you close Thanks it for the out notes for us on my list. as the musician. I'll, yeah, I'll take a look at it. <laughs> I'll take a look at it. Yeah, and then I'll put my arm around you. We did it. We got a better <laughs> list. Okay, number five for me, and and now I, again, as JC and I were talking about beforehand, these five and four were almost impossible to pick. But yeah. here we go. Number five for me is Dear Prudence. Yes, good call. I've, I think mm. that. It's a fantastic song. I remember hearing it for the first time when I got the White Album uh, as a 14-year-old uh, for Hanukkah, wow. staring out at the gray Massachusetts wetness and yeah. listening to Dear Prudence was like a religious experience for me. And I hate religion. You remember that from earlier <laughs> in the show. Okay. Number four, a little more festive of a song. Baby, you're a rich man. Oh, what? Love that song. I <laughs> love that song. What? How dare you put long? Weird... <laughs> okay. I love that song. I love it. Okay, that this is how much of a fan I am. But now here we we go. We're getting into the top three, and I can't avoid. If it's Eleanor Rigby, I'm gonna take a no, hammer to my own no, balls. No, but that was that was in the top. That was that was considered, but I passed it by. <laughs> Eleanor Rigby's a great song. What is wrong with you? What a bummer. Okay. All right, number three. Now, again, this was on my list before the documentary and certainly on my list now that the documentary has come out. Number three is Don't Let Me Down. Oh, amazing, yeah. so amazing good. song. And John's voice in it is just, oh, you hear that rasp, yeah. that rock and roll rasp. Ironic from and, the guy who's just let a lot of people down. I know, yes. Yeah. Oh, me, right. Yeah. I have, yes. I thought John, but yes, oh, no, me you. too. Me too, yes, I have. I've let my fair share. Um, and number two, I'm sorry, forgive me, it's Let It Be. I think you don't have to I think Let It Be might be the best song ever written. I think Ooh. it might be you could make a case that it is the best song that's ever been written. Wow. Anyway, what it was my and it wasn't Stanley my favorite. Choice. Number 1 and this was in stone from from day 1. Here comes the sun. Yeah. Oh, I can't it's a good think choice. of a of a song that I enjoy more or that has had more of a positive effect on me. Like I don't, you know, I usually, you listen to a song you like and you're like, oh, that was good. I have felt at different low moments in my life that Here Comes the Sun literally yeah. had a physical effect on me. Oh, so wow. I, that's my number one. That's my that's, list. That's a great and list. A great back. except for one choice. All right. <laughs> Easy, long and winding road. <laughs> All right. JC, go ahead. Okay. Uh, my number five, um, maybe a hot take, is um, All My Lovin'. Oh, um, great song. Yeah. Great song. Problem with it. Um, number four is Dear Prudence. There we go. Overlap. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And um, <laughs> I love the Susie and the Banshees cover of that, by the way. Mm, and, can't go with you there. Oh, it's so good. And then um, number three, In My Life. That's yeah. a great song. <sighs> great song. That it's was on. that was up there. It's up there, yeah. Tough omission, yeah. 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 Uh, number two is Something. Um, yeah. 
And then for me, I guess, you know, number one was sort of might be cliche, but it is a day in the life. Yeah. Yeah. Cannot argue with it. Cannot argue with it. I mean, for me, it was that like Golden Slumbers was a tough omission, even though it's such a short song. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, here and just because we're here and we're doing it, I'll, some of the ones that I didn't put in were Hey Jude, which I love, yeah. Eleanor Rigby, which I love, <laughs> No, We Can Work It Out, which I love, Yeah, Girl. Yeah, that's Girl is a fantastic that. song, and it has sophisticated lyrics for when they were, you know, not Mother Nature's Son, mm, excellent yeah. song. Yes. And uh, Rain. Yeah. Rain is a very cool song. Yes. Anyway. I would say my two omissions of that magnitude were Nowhere Man. Ooh, Great song. Good. Great song. I mean, that's 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 me, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no more no more plan making never nobody. And uh, uh Blackbird. Yeah. Blackbird's that a good one. That was originally on my list and then No one said yesterday, which That's true. No. It's, yeah. it's, it's actually an amazing not even song. On there. An amazing song. Yeah. Um yeah. all right, that was a fun list. Yes. And 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 that doing that list in its in in of itself was a high note, but let's let's get to this week's holiday high notes. La 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 la. <laughs> the anticipation almost made it better, and you'll you'll trim out that air. Yeah. I'm sure no one will know that that took you an incredibly long time <laughs> to play. Like, what's going on? Um, all right, I'll I'll let me go first. I had a I there were a couple I was trying to narrow down between, but I'm going to go with the uh, self-serving one. I we aired an episode of Family Guy last week that I in oh. particular I'm very proud of. We had our film noir episode called so The Fat good. Man Always Rings Twice. I thought it turned out great. I think Joe Vox, Joe Vox. the director, oh nailed it. It really looked awesome. I think Alex Carter, who wrote the script, it was one of the best first drafts uh, I've ever seen. Wow. And I really just, I loved uh, the whole show front to back. And uh, I, I thought it was, I'm, I'm proud of it. And I think we did a great job. And that was, that was my high note for this yeah, week. Yeah, beginning, from beginning recording it to the end, I thought it was amazing. I mean, even in animatics, I reached out to Joe Vox. I was like, this is incredible. So good. So good. All right, whose high note is next? Um, you want, I'll go. Okay, so Goldie mentioned that he had his one year anniversary. My high note is, Today is Stu's 20th year Whoa. of wow. quitting alcohol. So, wow. Yeah, Good it's for a him. Beautiful. God. Yeah. Really big day in our lives. So That's awesome. That is so great. Well, that makes That's... one year look really stupid. I know. <laughs> I, know. Just like I think the first year is the hardest year. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, that's awesome for you guys. Way to go, yeah, Stu. Congrats to Stu. Yeah. And congrats to both of you. Yeah. Enjoy a Waterloo grape. <laughs> and just... Just kudos to him that he does not need to be buzzed to be with you. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. There are lots of other ways. <laughs> it is what you know. One of the one of the things I I have told myself to stay on track is you know because Stu's a very cool guy. Like you go, yeah. if Stu doesn't need to drink, like for me it's like, yeah. if Brad Pitt doesn't need to drink. Yeah, and he has every reason to drink. Like he should just be like, I'm Brad Pitt. Right. Fucking. <laughs> Toast to me. Yeah. Another martini for good old Brad Pitt here. Like, if he can resist the temptation, yeah. and he's Brad Pitt, like, what am I toasting? Right. I mean, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. You can do it. And you've done it. Um, uh, what, what's your high note, Golden? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a personal one. It, it may not appear a high note to the external eye, but, you know, my kids were, were get, got really close during the pandemic, and then 
you know, they're different ages totally. They're five years apart. So sometimes they, they then are at loggerheads and it gets heartbreaking where one says they hate the other one. And it's, yeah. Yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to deal with. But then I, I had a talk with the older one about, uh, you know, you just got to take it easy on the little one because she just wants you to like her. And so she, she really did take <laughs> wow. it to heart. And they call they and they're good moments. They call themselves ghosty best friends, oh, which they hadn't cute. done in a while. But the, the ghosties were wow. back the other night. So oh. I love that. It's a good That's feeling nice. that you know I I had made that totally arranged that yeah um, a backroom <laughs> broker deal. <laughs> uh, you know I might have made financial promises and <laughs> right. bribes involved, but the the point was that I made it happen. That it was yes. you. Yeah, yes, that's great. That's that is, awesome. That's beautiful. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Um, It'll well, fall apart tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those were excellent high notes. What a fun top five list. Uh, network yeah. notes, you know, tough to talk about, but we got into it. And God bless the Beatles. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Beatles. Thank you, Peter Jackson, for putting that together. Thank you, Paul, for taking the reins of the group and 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 dragging them through that, that era. Um, boy, the music was great. Oh, Fun thanks to, to Ringo about. for letting us use his house for that meeting and <laughs> yeah. food on that <laughs> totally. Sunday. That, that was, was nice. really nice. It was key. They wouldn't have done it without that. Um, anyway, that was a fun show. Yes. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you two for being awesome. Thank and you. we will talk at you again next week. <laughs> That's what?